0: Hello, America, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News tonight on Real America's Voice, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, our exclusive interview with President Donald Trump. Yes, we got a half hour. It's a very substantive, policy-oriented interview, unlike anything you've probably seen from the president in a long time. Basically, he lays out the Trump Doctrine 2.0 in the course of this interview. I think it's uh, really going to be worth watching. Tomorrow, we're going to take the audio. I'm going to turn it into a podcast so you can hear the president directly. Amanda and I had a really detailed, he answered every question, a lot of ideas for how he would change course of America from the direction that Joe Biden has put it on and of course he creates some fun mischief moments one of those moments up already this morning the president called on Vladimir Putin to put out anything he knows about Hunter Biden's relationship with Russian oligarchs a clear effort to remind people that yeah Joe Biden's fighting Putin now but in an earlier time his son was hanging around with Putin's oligarchs one of the real more poignant moments in the interview but the over-under a really important interview and I want you to listen to it tomorrow on the podcast and if you want to watch it as well it'll be on real america's voice tonight at 6 p.m that's channel 219 dish network channel 240 on the pluto network and on all of the apps, including Roku, Apple, Real America's Voice, and the Just the News app, so go check it out. All right, today I have a very special show for you. We put together an extraordinary conversation in concert with our good friends at Heritage Action for America, our partners and sponsors for the show. We took a look about everything we've now learned about Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, yes, President Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court. What we know, what the Senate has learned, what has gone on in this confirmation process. There was a major delay, they're postponing the vote so that Republicans could take a look at some information. That is an important development overall. We're very excited, listen to this one hour special. It's adapted from our TV special last night. It is a really important conversation. Great guests, starting off with our good friend, Senator Mike Lee of Utah really important things about what he perceived during his questioning of Judge Jackson. We're going to have that right after the commercial break. Enjoy. I hope you enjoy it. I'm excited. It is a great show for sure. And tomorrow, tune in again, President Donald Trump. Don't forget. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Our homes. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us justnews and for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us justnews. That's amac.us justnews and extend the invitation to a friend, or a family member for free. What a great opportunity. Good evening, America, and welcome to this Just the News Real America's Voice special report. Biden's court pick tipping the scales. I'm your host, John Solomon. Tonight, in partnership with our sponsor, Heritage Action for America, we're going to be exploring President Joe Biden's nominee for Associate Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Now, while President Biden said his nominee strives to be fair, to get it right, to do justice, Republicans spent most of her confirmation hearing examining her current record, as a judge in Washington, D.C. And what they found was a far left political ideology. They talked about her leniency for terrorists and child pornographers, and her advocacy for critical race theory. Uh, It came up often during the hearings. Now, tonight we're going to do a deep dive on Judge Jackson's record and what senators discovered during her questioning. And we're lucky to start that process off with one of the very senators who did that vetting on the Judiciary Committee, Senator Mike Lee of the great state of Utah. Senator, great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, John. Good to be with you.
0: It's, it was a remarkable week watching that hearing play out. And, uh, but I want to start with the expectation that Democrats set. They came out saying this was going to be nastier than Brad Kavanaugh. It's kind of hard to imagine a hearing nastier than that, but it was going to be vicious. It was going to be personal. And then Americans saw something entirely different, a very cerebral conversation about policy, judicial philosophy. Did, uh, did your Democratic colleagues maybe overplay their hand a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think they overplayed their hand, and I think it's telling that they overplayed their hand on that front, because perhaps that signals to us what they would have done. And we know that because what they have done, because what they have done every single time the shoe's been on the other foot, they engage in the politics of personal destruction anytime they can see that uh, to do so might work to their potential political short-term advantage. Uh, but we didn't do that. Uh, and in fact, when you look through history, I can't think of a single instance in history in which you've seen the politics of personal destruction played out uh, in, in vetting, in the process of vetting a democratically appointed Supreme Court nomination uh, that has not happened by Republicans. I can there, there are more instances than I can count uh, on, on one hand in the last few decades, you know, Robert Bork, Clarence Thomas. Sam Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett. And that's before we even get to the uh, uh, D.C. circuit nominees right. uh, like Miguel Estrada and like Janice Rogers Brown, where these things have played out in a particularly nasty fashion. We don't do that. Now, we, we are uh, uh, aggressive and aggressively inclined specifically to dig in to the nominee's record and to make sure that each nominee receives a full vetting and that we understand the nominee's jurisprudential approach and and background. That's very different than the politics of personal destruction. That's what they do, not what we do.
0: Yeah, it was really noticeable. It was really a thoughtful, cerebral conversation all throughout. You had, I think, one of the most important moments in the hearings. Uh, You asked uh, Judge Jackson, uh, would she support court packing? Would she support the idea of putting more justices on to change the makeup of the court? Uh, She couldn't answer. What was your takeaway from that moment?
1: Yeah, it was interesting, John. She, uh, she she wouldn't answer. Now, she acknowledged that she has opinions on court packing, but she declined to share them with us. Now, I, I understand her, her reluctance to share her views on a political matter. Most of the time, you, you don't necessarily want Supreme Court justices or Supreme Court nominees upon on political matters for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, you don't want them having to signal one way or another a certain predisposition that might render them incapable of, uh, of ruling on a particular case. You don't necessarily want to disqualify them, and uh, they're not supposed to do that under their canons of judicial ethics anyway. Another reason is that you don't want to make them weigh in on something that's uh, that's outside of their purview of their expertise. In this circumstance, we have an issue, uh, that of court packing, that is the idea of of adding seats to the United States Supreme Court in order to exercise political influence on it that manages to sidestep both of those otherwise significant roadblocks. First of all, this could never come up for resolution by the Supreme Court because it's not a constitutional issue, strictly speaking. It's uh, it's something that Congress and uh, the, the presidency together are empowered to do if they enact legislation Increasing the size of the court, but it's not unconstitutional and it couldn't be challenged. If you were to challenge a duly enacted piece of legislation on that, on constitutional grounds, uh, you'd lose, and get kicked out. One of the reasons is this is left to the political branches. The courts have no business doing it. Secondly, this is something where, unlike other cases, her expertise as a sitting judge and her perspective as a, currently a judge and as a prospective potential uh, Supreme Court justice. It really is significant to have because there's no one better than judges, justices, actual past or prospective uh, to give their views on how that might impact the court internally. So it's unfortunately that she didn't want to tell us what her opinion is. Again, she acknowledged that she has opinions on the matter. She wouldn't share them with us. It's doubly Uh troubling given that many of the people supporting her, some of the groups supporting her. Are people and organizations who themselves have been outspoken advocates of court packing. Uh, court packing is really dangerous. I, I, I'm very troubled by this so much so that I've uh, been writing a book on it. Uh, it's going to be called Saving Nine. Comes out in June, and it talks about how dangerous it is to pack or even threaten to pack the Supreme Court of the United States.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm going to be. I'll be one of the first people getting that book. That's going to be an important discussion. Um, As you look out, there were uh, moments where her judicial record really came into focus, releasing some violent offenders earlier, going below the sentence minimums for child pornographers, um, arguing as a a lawyer that uh, the government didn't have the right to hold terrorists who had actually attacked U.S. soldiers as enemy combatants. You're over under on the philosophy that she did put on the table during the vetting process.
1: Okay, Uh, great question. So first of all, I was pleased by a couple of things that she said as far as her judicial philosophy goes. Uh, we got much better answers out of her, more thorough answers out of her, this time than we did a year ago when she was con- confirmed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. I was grateful that she acknowledged the importance of ascertaining the original public meaning of, of law, of a provision of law uh, it, when construing it, that that is the objective. This is helpful, uh, it may seem simple, uh, but it's something as to which a number of jurists and legal scholars have struggled. But she gave the right answer on that point, that the job of the judge or the justice is to figure out what the law means, what it says. And to do that, you've got to figure out what it meant at the time of its enactment, if it's a statute or its ratification, if it's part of the Constitution. Now, when we got into some of the sentencing issues, I I I, I was left with a uh a lingering concern. It still hasn't been resolved with regard to her sentencing of criminal defendants in her court, specifically those who have been sentenced by her as a judge under child pornography charges. In every instance in which she's had any discretion at all uh, uh, in cases involving child pornography defendants, she sentenced people significantly below where the federal sentencing guidelines recommended. Now. I understand judges have different approaches. Judges do have a fair amount of discretion in this area and uh, even more discretion over the last 15 years than they had in a decade or two prior to that because of some case law changes brought about by Supreme Court decisions, starting with Blakely versus Washington and United States versus Booker. But it still matters what her approach is, how she exercises her discretion. Uh, And, and, you know, it'd be one thing if um, if she was just someone who from time to time went below the guidelines range. But with child porn cases, every time she had any authority at all, she went significantly below them. And I didn't find her reasoning terribly persuasive. In fact, I found it troubling. One of the things that she relied on in many of these cases was that she thought that the sentencing guidelines were too tough on people who used computers uh, to transmit, receive, and store these images, uh, that because it's resulted in them transmitting and receiving a lot more images than they would have received in the past if they were transmitting it by hard copy alone. I don't see that as a good reason to downward depart or to set aside the guidelines. These things have made child pornography more harmful, not less. In other cases, she would disregard clear aggregating factors, uh, like the acquisition of images depicting prepubescent child pornography, uh, particularly troubling, and in some cases she declined to apply those mitigating factors, that was disturbing as well.
0: Yeah, really remarkable. We got about a minute left, sir. I want to ask about something that came up in the vetting materials and then came up in the questioning. Uh, she gave a speech in 2015 telling law students she believed critical race theory needed to be melded into the consideration. When you're sentencing someone, uh, critical race theory has been banned by a lot of states. Your, your reaction to how she answered the question and what you learned in her background about that. We've got about a minute left.
1: Yeah, as I recall in that speech, she said basically, you know, sentencing law I- involves a number of different disciplines, constitutional law, criminal law, administrative law, all true. And then she threw in critical race theory. John, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, she added something in there that's not part of the law. And in fact, that the law itself goes way out of its way to avoid. Yeah. We don't sentence people in this country based on the color of their skin, nor should we ever. And I found it troubling that she inserted that into a discussion of sentencing law.
0: Yeah, it really jumped out at me as well, sir. Sir, it was a pleasure having you on today, to learn so much, watching you in action over the last week. Uh, last question, we've got about 30 seconds. Where do you think this nomination ends? Does she get through or do you think it'll be blocked?
1: Look, Democrats have the upper hand in that it's a 50-50 Senate. But they've got the tie-breaking vote with Vice President Harris. So uh, that, that gives them a distinct advantage. It, yeah. it, uh, it remains to be seen whether or to what degree you'll see Republican defections. I think most Republicans, possibly all, will vote against her. Uh, but um, it remains to be seen which Republicans, if any, we might lose Uh, 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 on the other side hard to say at this point
0: we're going to be watching closely sir thank you so much for your time very grateful folks when we come back from commercial break we're going to hear from Michael Howell Senior Advisor for Government Relations at the Heritage Foundation right after this commercial break you know what folks stress may be why you can't lose weight if you've got moderate to high stress like I do a doctor formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution Welcome back, America, and thanks for joining us tonight. Now, we have a lawyer who previously served in the general counsel's office at the Department of Homeland Security under President Trump, and who now serves as a senior advisor of government relations at the Heritage Foundation, joining us right now. Mike Howell, great to have you on here tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a real honor. Um, You got a chance to watch these nomination hearings to go through some of the literature uh, and uh, speeches and rulings of Judge Jackson. Your impression when you take a look at her views on immigration and her views on uh, child pornography?
2: Yeah, I think there's a connection there that a lot of people and, and frankly, some of those asking her questions have missed. Obviously, her, her views on the uh, sexual material, often of raped children and distribution and possession of it are important. They're far outside the uh, American mainstream. They're disqualifying for her to be a judge on the Supreme Court. It's embarrassment that actually this is even a candidate for it. It should be an impeachment uh, hearing rather than a nomination one, in my view. But there's a connection to also her views on immigration. What is happening now at our southern border is historic in its size, scope, and danger. A huge part of this border crisis is the trafficking and sexual abuse of young children. It happens frequently and more often than not for a lot of uh, women and young children who are part of, uh, you know, the smuggling operation and, and turn themselves over to cartels to handle them for illegal entry into the United States. Judge Jackson's history on this point of immigration has been one that has always cited uh, against any efforts to secure our border and, and enforce immigration law as the uh, Congress has written and the American people demand. So what I see and I think is very unfortunate that will happen is we're going to continue seeing her be an ally of these far left open border advocates, and really uh, trying to put the Supreme Court's seal of approval on keeping these lanes of uh, human smuggling and sex trafficking wide open and uh, for for future abuses. So uh, she's certainly not doing anything to protect children on her uh, child pornography rulings. Uh, The same goes for her on immigration.
0: I think a lot of people forget that the child pornography industry, the child sex trafficking industry thrives every time we have an open border like we do now. And I think that's such an important connection that you made. Um, There was one high profile court case that Judge Brown presided, or Judge Brown Jackson presided over called Make the Road New York versus McClellan, where immigration advocacy groups brought a challenge to the Department of Homeland Security. Tell us a little bit about this case and how her preliminary injunction was actually reversed at the appellate level.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's go back in the time machine a couple years. Uh, we remember constantly how the left and their activist judges would use what's called nationwide preliminary injunctions. This is basically uh, when a court, an individual judge at the district level, steps in, uh, usually a liberal judge, uh, almost always actually during the Trump administration, and says, "I disagree with this policy so very much, It's so important to me as liberal. I'm going to use this kind of process called a, a national injunction, where not just in my district, but districts across the country." They can't even move forward with uh, advancing this policy. Uh, we have never seen kind of the frequency and, and uh, scope of the use of this tool. This is why you have judges, you know, as Trump said, on a rock in the Pacific in Hawaii, overturning immigration policy that controlled, uh, you know, thousands of miles away. Uh, judge Jackson was an extremist judge. And this is a tool that she used. Of course, as you noted, she has been slapped down before and, and overruled by, you know, the circuit with Patty Millette, also a Democrat uh, on the uh on um, The circuit above her said basically she went way too far on this. But I think the thing to uh, tell here is that she was willing to avail herself of this extreme tool uh, just because she disagreed so, so much with the simple concept of keeping our country safe, secure and sovereign.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. And when you look at her record, is she more a jurist or is she more a legislator in a black robe?
2: Uh, yeah, I think you nailed it there on uh, legislator in a black robe. Look, there's a reason why. George Soros groups and demand justice and the furthest left love this nominee. This is their nominee. Uh, she can wrap up, uh, you know, herself and all of the, you know, these these credentials that, that she's acquired. But what she is at the end of the day is a rubber stamp for the furthest left interest in this country. There's a reason why the open border advocates love her. George Soros loves her. Uh, you know, the White House extremists that are staffing President Biden love her and that she got this job. It's not because she is going to be a, a moderate jurist who takes full accounts of the facts and the law and a base constitution. It's because it, for this left, the Supreme Court is about one thing and one thing only. Results. Rubber stamping their radical policies. And they can't have found someone better to do that than Judge Jackson. It is a joke if she ends up on the court.
0: That's going to be an interesting few days to watch how these senators vote. Uh, Mike, we got about a minute left. You've protected this country. You're right at the heart of it in the Homeland Security Department. Uh, her uh, Judge Jackson's stance on terrorists and the idea that they can't be held as enemy combatants. Your thoughts on that? We've got about a minute left.
2: Look, I, I, everyone deserves defense counsel. We all agree with that as a general kind of idea. Even the worst of the worst need a full airing of their uh, you know, grievances and, and defenses. But you need to look at the whole picture here. Look at Judge Jackson's you know, entire career. And she could have chosen to defend someone on the right or someone hurt by a terrorist at one point or the other. She is just like a, you know, a, a, a fly or a moth to a flame when it comes to the far left causes. Uh, she went out of her way to, to do this kind of stuff. Uh, it takes a certain kind of affinity and, and respect for for these folks to and their, their legal positions to, to go that route. I certainly would never do it. Uh, you know, they deserve a defense. But Judge Jackson, you know, she, she chooses who she chooses to defend.
0: Yeah, we saw a lot of that in that in hearings. Mike Powell, says, oh, it's such a great honor to have you on the show today. Really appreciate those insights. You, you worked in keeping this country safe and we're really grateful for that.
2: Hey, I really appreciate it and uh, for you having me on.
0: All right, folks, we're gonna take a uh, quick commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna continue this conversation about uh, the Supreme Court with Carrie Severino. She's been through some of the most important nominations in American history. He's going to put this one up of Judge Jackson against some of the more famous ones you know, like Fred Kavanaugh, right after this commercial break. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. at Factormeals.com. One more time, Factormeals.com slash Just News 50. Use the Just News 50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way And Feeling better and suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down and my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Our next guest is the president of the Judicial Crisis Network, somebody who's been through quite a few uh, Supreme Court justice nominations and the author of one of my favorite books, Justice on Trial. Joining us right now, Carrie Severino. Kerry, great to have you back on. Thanks for having me. Uh, we saw a pretty extraordinary hearing, a really strong discussion about judicial philosophy. You're over under and how what you saw from Judge Jackson during the uh, nomination process.
3: Yeah, well, you know, one of the things we saw from her was her trying to be all things to all people, really. She would say contradictory things, I think, depending on what she thought people wanted to hear. She said, I'm not a texturist, an originalist. I don't have a judicial philosophy. And then later she would say things like, well, I interpret the Constitution according to its text and its original meaning, which... Is kind of the definition of being a textualist originalist. Um, she said at one point she doesn't, couldn't define a woman, but then later she said she does know what a woman is because she's a woman and Senator Blackburn's a woman. You know, she's she's trying to navigate this world where I think most judges recognize, um, and Democrats even recognize, people don't want judges to just be a venue for inserting uh, politics from the left into the courts and in getting around the the uh, democratic process that way. They want judges to be. Faithful to the law and the, and the attacks of the Constitution. The problem is that's the generally conservative judicial philosophy. And so they, even the liberal judges, have to go up there and talk like they are uh, originalists. And Justice Kagan alluded to this when, in her confirmation hearing. She sort of laughed and said, We're all originalists now. And I think that's what we're seeing. She, has, she knows what she has to say to get confirmed. But unfortunately, what we see generally is um, when people get on the bench, that's not how they govern, whether it's Justice Kagan. Uh, criticizing originalism or Justice Sotomayor going back on things she said about the Second Amendment. And the thing that speaks loudest is Judge Jackson's own record. And we know that that's the reason she's being supported by the loudest and the most liberal voices in the left.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think really people got to see what this liberal ecosystem in uh, law schools and elitist colleges are turning out, right? Somebody who has critical race theory in the background, sympathetic to terrorists, sympathetic to uh, child pornographers, uh, do you think Americans felt closer or more disconnected to uh, uh, Judge Jackson after listening to all of this over the last few days? Uh,
3: you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many people uh, had spent the time. This, this was not the crazy, you know, wild confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh. And remember, his were crazy even before the Christine Blasey Ford episode. So I'm not sure how how much people were watching. I think what they saw was someone who, uh, you know, was was generally, uh, you know kind and and, and patient with the uh, questioning. But at the end of the day, almost her ever answer was, I I simply can't talk about that, or I don't have an opinion about that, or I'm not familiar with that. And that's not very educational for the American people, or for the senators who have to decide how to vote on this nomination. I don't know how you vote for someone who refuses to commit to any kind of approach to interpreting the Constitution. Uh, That that seems like you're voting for a complete uh, blank slate.
0: Yeah. We had Senator Mike Lee on earlier in the show, and he said, listen, there's just so many non-answers. I don't know what you make of it, right? I don't know where we go. Yep. Uh, you know the Senate well, because you do the headcounts on all of these very important nominations. What is your gut? Did any votes change here? What What is this final approach to a vote going to look like?
3: Well, we know that when she was appointed to the appellate court, she got three votes. One would naturally expect that it's kind of a higher bar to be appointed to the Supreme Court, right? Three votes, that is, from Republicans. Obviously, um, Democrats have voted for, all the Democrat senators have voted for every single judicial nominee that Biden has put up there. So unfortunately, I think those nominees are basic rubber stamps and we don't have to wonder about them. Um, in terms of the Republicans, you know, people like Senator Lindsey Graham voted for her before, and we saw some really strong language for him during the hearings. I think he was really concerned about her record, particularly with respect to Uh, her defense of Guantanamo uh, detainees, not just when she was a public defender, but also in her private practice when she had flexibility about how she did that and some of the arguments she made during that period. So I I think you may see an even tighter margin than she had uh, during her confirmation process to the D.C. Circuit.
0: That's going to be interesting. We're going to know real soon. Um, Carrie, when you look out now the difference in the tenor and the conduct of this hearing versus the way the last two conservative justices were treated, um, what are we to learn from this? Uh, did Republicans just make it easy or is this the way hearings really should be?
3: Well, I don't think they made it easy in the sense that, uh, you know, we should be attacking people's personal lives, digging through their high school yearbooks or any of the uh, the uh, politics of personal destruction that we saw, particularly during the Kavanaugh confirmation, but even also through the Barrett confirmation with criticisms of her religion and her family and things like that. Um, so I, I don't think we should ever sink to that. However, I do think it was important to, and, and many of the senators did focus on her judicial s- selection. We shouldn't just let her go by and say, well, you know, we have to be nice to each other, so we're not going to talk about these hard issues. And I think that's something we're seeing the Democrats portray as somehow a personal attack on her. That's that's not not correct at all. This is no, that's nothing like what happened with Brett Kavanaugh, with protesters interrupting it, with senators themselves walking out and interrupting and and playing, uh, you know. It's games to make it a media circus rather than a real discussion of judicial philosophy. So I think, I think the Republicans did the right thing there. There's still Democrats crying foul, and the Washington Post had a bizarre editorial saying they didn't just mm-hmm. treat her like Brett Kavanaugh, they treated her worse. And I was like, you have the shortest memory known to man. So anyone who wants to go back and review the Kavanaugh confirmation, uh, I think it's about time to remind yourself what this really looks like and to remind yourselves what, what clear answers to questions look like? Because while no Republican or Democrat nominee answers all the questions as thoroughly as people want, they're not going to tell you how they're going to vote in Roe versus Wade or something like that. They normally do give a lot more answers than what we saw this week. And um, I think she's set a new standard for how little one can say uh, in, a, in a Supreme Court confirmation hearing. And that might come back to bite them sometime later.
0: I have a funny feeling, Carrie. that's what people are going to most remember about these confirmation hearings. We always enjoy having you on. You bring such a a great uh, idea of just how this process should work. We really enjoyed it, Terry. get to have you on soon again. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now. Across America, BP
4: supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or.
0: All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Our next guest is a steadfast advocate for moms and children all across America. Tamara Farah, the executive director of Moms for America is joining us now. Tamara, great to have you on the show.
4: Thanks for having me, John. Always so good to be with you.
0: You as well. Uh, This hearing had a lot to say to parents and children. I was surprised how much that came up, whether it was child pornography or not. We had this moment that occurred. I just want you to watch this little video clip where Judge Brown Jackson answers one of the questions I want to get your reaction right after this.
5: When does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, I don't know. (laughs) Ma'am? I don't know. Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? not in this context, I'm not a biologist.
0: I have a funny feeling people are going to remember those moments for a long time. Tamara, your reaction, how do moms react when they hear those sort of non-answers?
4: I would say moms are extremely concerned, as was Senator Marsha Blackburn the other day when she asked Judge Jackson about her judicial philosophy, a very important question to ask a potential new member of the United States Supreme Court. She said she didn't have one. I would like to suggest that she has basically revealed her philosophy to us and it is to follow the agenda of the woke left because all of her answers revolve around those beliefs and that system. Of thinking. So I'll give you an example. As as all of us know by now, um, she is on the board of the Georgetown Day School. And you don't have to dig too deep to find out what is taught at that school. Uh, Pre-kindergarteners are taught that they can choose their gender. And then you've got pre-K being taught not to be, excuse me, not to display cisgender privilege. So think about her answers regarding what is a woman in light of that belief system, which is a social construct, which I fear is going to crumble, you know, in in weeks to come or years to come, uh, because this is just a philosophy that is not really rooted in reality. Uh, She even admitted that when she said you have to talk to a biologist. So I guess she does believe the biologist's assessment on, on gender
0: Absolutely. Yeah, That was that's a good point. That was a moment. Um, Critical Race Theory, you've done a lot to get that out of schools and to get moms activated. Uh, Judge Jackson had to acknowledge that she gave a speech in 2015, told law students it needs to be part of the sentencing policy, the sentencing decisions that judges make. Your response to that? Well, we do know she's soft on crime. She
4: might want to try to evade that. But even in D.C., she was in favor of 1,500 Uh, criminal defendants being released from prison. Um, And these included drug dealers, uh, those, you know, that were uh, allegedly murdered, murdered individuals, one, a a marshal, a U.S. Marshal. Um, This is not something that gives comfort to moms in our everyday neighborhoods and cities. They want to know uh, that rulings coming down from the Supreme Court are going to be based on the solid foundation of a classical conservative interpretation of our U.S. Constitution, as well as the rule of law. And safety is a huge part of that.
0: Yeah, it really is. One of the questions that came up time and again, her leniency, her uh, sympathy at times for child pornographers, child sex exploiters. Um, Your reaction, and how do you think moms took that, hearing that, her trying to equate that an 18-year-old attacking an eight-year-old might have been considered peers despite the vast difference in age. She,
4: I will say this about her, her thinking is right in line with what she affirmed as progressive education that she was in favor of. Because as we know, that thinking is flooding the halls and the classrooms of every public school across this country. And yes, mom, if you're listening and you're thinking it's not in your school, please, do more digging because it is, and it is so detrimental to children. You know, I've been recently taking a look at uh, the um, laws surrounding pedophilia, et cetera. I mean, we need to exercise some judicial restraint here. We need to have some lawsuits coming against these schools, exposing children uh, to normalize over sexuality and pedophilia. It's very dangerous in our country right now.
0: Yeah, it really is. And it was a pretty remarkable thing. Uh, if Judge Jackson gets on the court, I mean, we're still going to have a 6-3 uh, conservative-liberal split on the court, but what is your sense of the impact that should have? We've got about a minute left.
4: I would say it's it's like a lot of things, we start to normalize. So for example, if we normalize the ideas that she represents, even though she's in a minority, then we start going down the slippery slope. You know, the Supreme Court had a uh, basically a standard ruling on parental rights up until the year 2000, when the first case started to erode that. So now here we are in 2022, and we're seeing a great challenge to parental rights. So it's not voting well for the future.
0: Yeah, that definitely could have an impact. And you're right, normalizing philosophies that used to be feeling like they're outside the mainstream. Really remarkable. Tamara Farah, it's always an honor to have you on. Always enjoy the work that Moms for America does. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, John. All right, folks, when we come back, we're gonna be joined by pro-life advocate and former Trump administration official, Petrina Mosley. A lot more conversation to come up about family life and Judge Jackson's record and her judicial philosophy right after this. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. One of the major concerns among conservatives about President Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Kentonji Brown-Jackson, is how she will rule on abortion cases. Here to discuss this further is pro-life speaker, author, policy expert, and a member of former President Trump's administration, Patrina Mosey. Patrina, great to have you on the show today.
6: Thank you, John. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I, I really want to dig into this. So there's not a lot of record on Judge Jackson's uh, writings about abortion, but there's a large number of the pro-choice, pro-abortion groups in America backing her. What do we know about her stance on uh, abortion and and more largely children in general?
6: Well, the the one thing we do know, if we have Planned Parenthood supporting you and say, you're I guy, you're I gal, that's a problem. Um, If you have the most major abortion lobby groups in the country uh, supporting this nomination, that's a huge red flag. So right then and there, we know that this pick was intentional. We, you know, the administration picked someone who may not have a lot in writing about her abortion views, but clearly has the, the support of the abortion lobby. That, that is a very critical piece. And really that tells you everything you need to know. Um, but also what's concerning about Katanji Brown Jackson's record is her sympathy, her sympathizing for the pedophile community. She actually cites them as a community um, and talks about people who are getting into child pornography may not be sexual offenders. They may be less sexual offenders. And so we need to treat them as such. And uh, this is a very slippery, slow, very dangerous way of thinking about our most precious most precious lives in our country, and that's our children, and how this impacts women. Um, Many women who do find themselves at the crossroads of an abortion decision have had sexual abuse in their background. And she's saying, well, child pornography, child porn may not be as offensive as as you may think it is. That's a problem. Uh, We don't want someone with that type of thinking in a position of power when our children and our women are at stake.
0: Yeah, it is remarkable. We had some early stories on that in Just the News. I know Senator Holly and Senator Cruz and others have really drilled in on that. It'll be very interesting to see how that weighs in the the final vote um, in the Senate. Um, While this is going on, a historic abortion case is pending before the court. The arguments have already been heard in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. That's the Mississippi abortion case. Uh, What did you take from the oral arguments? Where do you think the current court Uh, rests on this issue as we head to this momentous uh, decision in the summer?
6: Well, I think now where we're at as a society, we can't continue the argument that this is not a human being in the womb. Um, We know that from both sides, both the abortion lobby and the pro-life movement. And I think you can see that reflected in, in the fact that we are having this case approach the Supreme Court. Um, so we're not arguing whether this is a life. The the crux of the question is, does a woman have the right to we as a country see it as a right for a woman to take the life of a child? And at this point, Mississippi and a few other states have really held the line at saying no, uh, that we know that this this is a life. This is a child uh, born in, in the image of God and they, they have a right to life. And women do not have a special right to commit murder. So, I mean, this is where we're at as a society. The science backs it up. Uh, We have technology today that we didn't have at the time of Roe v. Wade that clearly shows us this is not a matter of viability, but this is a matter of being consistent in the right to life.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. The consistency is important. Now, uh, when you look at this, uh, when you look at the uh, arguments, when you look at the filings that the state has made, uh, is this going to be a full reversal of Roe v. Wade? Is it a partial reversal? What's your gut tell you about where these justices may end up on the issue of abortion and, of course, the overarching legal issue of states' rights?
6: Well, I think we have a pretty good chance on the court. Um, I pray for Clarence Justice's health, and I pray for all of our members' health. Um, I, I mean, we know that the the other side has been wanting to stack the courts. Um, so, I mean, that's still something to look, to look out for and to pr- protect. Um, but I, I do believe we'll get a, a life-affirming outcome this summer and that it will go back to the states. Now, my gut says that, but also I'm looking at what the abortion lobby is doing, because that can tell you a lot as well. And they are playing... Uh, A defense really, really hard in the states already. Uh, Just uh, last week in Maryland, they're trying to enshrine abortion in their state constitution. And so uh, as another other uh, states are trying to do that, they're trying to get ahead of what we hope to be a life-affirming decision in June. So that right there tells you that the states are going to have a lot of power and is really going to go back to that grassroots movement for the pro-lifers to really get active in the states, to get really serious about only supporting candidates that believe and will protect the right to life at the state and local level.
0: Yeah, no doubt. We got about 90 seconds left. Um, I wanted to ask about the evolution of the abortion industry, because obviously when Roe v. Wade came down, one of the arguments was we want to make it safe. A doctor needs to be present. Now we've moved much more to abortion pills and chemical abortion Has the regulatory schema, has the law kept up with the evolution of the practices? And how concerned are you with the rise of chemical abortion?
6: Oh, um, this is unbelievable. I mean, I say it, you give um, bad things an inch, they'll take a highway. And in Roe v. Wade in 73, it was, we have to legalize abortion now to make this procedure safer for women so that they're not getting back alley abortions, to now we have Well, women, you don't even have to come in and get examined to get abortion pills for you to digest and have your abortion at home. Good luck with that. So basically what we have right now, um, even after Roe, ironically, we have legal back alley abortions. When you have over 40 percent of the abortions being committed by abortion pills, you have a plethora of abortion bills being pushed that makes uh, this procedure less safe for women and actually more dangerous for the women and we know uh, fatal for the child. It makes absolutely no sense. And um, the best way that you can show that you're pro-women, even if you're on the the pro-choice side, is to actually keep and protect safety measures uh, in this procedure, the most invasive procedure ever for women. So it really shows that they don't care about women. And so we look forward to a life affirming decision where pro-life states that love women and love children and family building will take the reins on this.
0: Yeah, no, Petrina, we are living in momentous times. We can't wait to see where this case ends. It's an honor to have you on today. and We look forward to bringing you back on soon again. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, more on the discussion about our Supreme Court nominee right after this. Welcome back folks. If you've ever had the pleasure of tuning into one of our special reports before, I'm pretty certain you're gonna recognize our next guest. She is the quarterback for making sure everyday Americans voices are heard in the halls of power, from Congress to the White House, to the local state house in your state. Joining us right now is Janae Strachey, the Director of Grassroots and Heritage Action. Janae, great to have you back on with us.
5: Always a pleasure, thank you.
0: Well, America has finally gotten to see up close and personal. Joe Biden's uh, nominee for the Supreme Court. Uh, Judge Judge Jackson, what do you think they took away from her performance in the last week?
5: Well, it's pretty plain and clear to see that she's a liberal activist just as they wanted. You know, it honestly is disheartening to hear and see, but it's not surprising. I think, uh, you know, the litany of issues that she's soft on, will start with soft on crime, and it's across the board, she's soft on illegal immigration, she's soft on terrorists, but perhaps the worst of them all, she's an apologist for sex offenders and uh, child pornography. I mean, really heinous crimes. And uh, to hear her talk through some of the cases that she's ruled on and actually say sorry to the offenders, not the victims, who, by the way, are five, eight, 11 years old. We're talking about children. Um, And the left's hypocrisy on this. You've been hearing them all celebrate her. They're so excited about her confirmation. This is the same left that just a few short years ago were ready to light their hair on fire and hang Justice Kavanaugh in the public square for unsubstantiated accusations um, made at him from high school. Uh, and the, the the hypocrisy and the irony of this is with Rich, they're now celebrating uh, a judge who is actually uh, apologetic to sex offenders.
0: Yeah, those were some pretty poignant moments in the hearing when you heard her trying, she couldn't really defend the decisions she made. Um, you mentioned Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, a very different tenor to the hearings versus the way senators treated Judge Jackson. How do you uh, handicap the difference in how Judge Jackson got treated prior to those uh, compared to those other justices?
5: Yeah, well, I think the difference here is that Judge Jackson is being asked about her own record her own her own writing so it's i think the least we could expect for her to be able to answer some of these basic questions as opposed to the left trying to pull something out of their you know rabbit out of their magic hat trying to derail a confirmation we're simply asking judge jackson to talk about her record and where she stands on these issues and she failed to be able to answer the most basic of those questions including what is a woman She could not define it. Um, And, you know, my one positive takeaway from that was that she said she couldn't define it because she's, quote, not a biologist. So she has admitted that it is a matter of biology, simple facts, scientific facts. There's male and female. Uh, She just couldn't define it, apparently.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty remarkable moment. Indeed. Uh, Heritage Action has been so uh, out front in helping to lead the fight against critical race theory. When you hear Judge Jackson say she had given a speech to law students saying critical race theory needed to be incorporated into uh, the sentencing ideas, uh, the defendant's sentencing, your take on that.
5: Yeah, you know, she wanted to pretend like she hadn't studied critical race theory or she was, unaware that it was being taught at the school she's on the board for. Um, But this is is once again another liberal activist trying to avoid being put on the record for something that they know is illogical and not supported by the American people. Um, And at, at best, she has shown herself to be Um, in lockstep with the liberal left, and she's not going to challenge them or question them. At worst, she actually believes it and buys it all hook, line, and sinker. So uh, it's an unfortunate day for America, but um, I'm an eternal optimist and and grateful to work with grassroots all across the country that continue to speak out on issues like critical race theory and um, the confirmations happening at the Senate.
0: Absolutely. We got about 30 seconds left. If someone was listening to these hearing and so said, I'm concerned, she doesn't feel like she's gonna defend the constitution, she doesn't represent my idea, of American values and a jurist, what can they do at the grassroots to get something going?
5: Yeah, make your voice heard. You can go to heritageaction.com backslash call. Um, call your senators, let them know this is an election year. Um, this is the way our country works. So we're excited to have you on board.
0: Yeah, there's nothing more powerful than the grassroots in action. We've seen that many times in the last year right under Heritage Action's tutelage. Janae, it's always an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today.
5: Thank you.
0: All right, folks, it's hard to believe, but that about, just about wraps it up for tonight's uh, Just a New Special Report. Uh, very special thanks to our partner, Heritage Action for America, for sp- uh, sponsoring tonight's conversation, and to Real America's Voice for giving us such a great platform to hold the talk. Now, we did a deep dive into what America's highest court might look like if President Biden's nominee, Kentonji Brown-Jackson, is confirmed by the Senate to replace the retiring Justice Stephen Breyer. We spoke to lawmakers, policy experts, and grassroots activists about some of the major concerns conservatives have with Judge Jackson's philosophies. We also uncovered the difference in the way the media is portraying Judge Jackson versus how they portrayed Justices Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett in earlier confirmation processes. Now, just, uh, we, want, we went through many of the stark examples also of Judge Jackson refusing to answer questions from the very senators who were vetting her nomination. And now America's 100 senators must ask themselves a very important question. Will Judge Jackson uphold the Constitution? And does her judicial philosophy represent the values Americans expect in their jurists? A verdict on those questions will be soon in hand, and we'll be covering it closely here at Justin News in Real America's Voice. And until then, I wanna thank you for joining us tonight, and I ask that God bless you and your family. Have a good night.
4: Our training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
4: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: Whoa, sweet man Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from figure.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Tune in, lots of breaking news all around the site today, some amazing revelations. And remember, tomorrow on the podcast, you'll be able to hear our exclusive interview with President Donald Trump. And if you want to get an early jump on that, go to Real America's Voice tonight at 6 p.m. and watch the interview on videotape. Lots of ways to consume what was a very newsy, meaty, important interview with president Trump looking forward to that and all the forums and mediums that we're going to put it in all right folks before you go I like to always give an opportunity to take advantage of the partnerships the friendships the sponsorships the advertisement teams that we have working for just the news for John Solomon reports and one of those is American financing or one of our new partners very excited about it Listen, it's simple. If you're looking to add a little money to your budget, it's a great time to consider a mortgage refinance. According to American Financing, it's an easy way to save up to $1,000 a month. You heard that right, 1000 bucks a month. With the price of gas up, with the price of food up, with the price of everything up, wouldn't it be great to have another 1000 bucks in your back pocket? I know it would. So call them. Today, for a free mortgage review, think of the possibilities, then make the call to American Financing. If you call soon, you may close in as fast as 10 days. And you heard that right, too. Call 866 890 7706. That's 866 890 7706, or visit Americanfinancing.net and MLS 182. 182- 8334 Check them out today, guys. It's well worth it. All right, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, tomorrow, our exclusive interview with President Donald Trump, the 45th President of America. All right, have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out.